Hello, Monetization Nation. Today's interview is with Kate Toon, a super successful entrepreneur with a super fun style. For example, she has a book called Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, and she refers to her community as her Viking horde. In today's episode, we're going to discuss how to build a digital business from scratch with an online community. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Kate is the author of Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, a delightful book that she's recently published. She's the host of the Kate Tune podcast and the Hot Copy podcast. She owns the online education programs, Digital Master Chefs, The Recipe for SEO Success, and the, the Clever Copywriting School. She is an award-winning misfit entrepreneur. Uh, for example, here's just a few of the awards she's she's earned. Serpstat uh, awarded her the number one woman in SEO for 2019. SEM Rush awarded her best SEO community of 2019. And Ahrefs awarded her best SEO podcast of 2019. Kate runs Australia's only dedicated copywriting conference, CopyCon, and was named the Businesswoman of the Year at the National My Business Awards. Kate has helped more than 10,000 businesses demystify digital marketing, grapple the Google beast, and grow their success. Welcome to the show, Kate. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you. Well done for getting through my bio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's hard when you've accomplished so many things. I had to cut out so many of the awards you've earned because we just didn't have time on the episodes. (laughs) Yeah, 2019 was a good year, wasn't it? Um, Yeah, especially when 2020 came afterwards. So, yeah. (laughs) That's right. Kind of put a damper on things having a A a pandemic globally. (laughs) Okay, can you start off by just sharing with us something that you are super passionate about? I'm super passionate about community. My whole business has been built on kind of creating some people would call it a tribe. I like to think of it as a Viking horde, you know, like a big horde of bearded people with pitchforks and knives who are kind of, who are there for you and who support you through your business journey. You know, they'll be the first to listen to your podcast, the first to buy your products, the first to mention you to other people, um, the first to defend you when things go wrong. So, you know, and also then you give back to that community. So community is really the foundation of everything that I do. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I, I was interviewing someone recently who specializes in building um, SaaS software. And I asked him, what is the most important secret for building successful SaaS software? And he basically said, build a following, build a community, right? Before you even have any business building a SaaS software, you need to today build that following. And I, I talked to someone who is an expert in course creation, and she told me almost the identical thing. Before you have any business building a course, you've got to build your community, build your following. So it seems like this is the recurring theme. It's the first step in, in that journey to become a digital entrepreneur today. Yeah. All right. Let's, w- would you share with us your journey, your story to become such a successful digital entrepreneur? 
Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, I worked out of uni in kind of advertising and events, and then digital marketing came along. The internet came along. I'm that old. I'm as old as you, Nathan. Um, so <laughs> that's <laughs> back old. In, that's pretty old. But um, I was in the UK and I helped work on the very first e-commerce website in the UK for a brand called Marks and Spencers, and we were experimenting with like, should we call it a cart or a basket, and and you know all the things that now are just common those were the yeah. experiments that we were doing back then then I moved over to Australia I worked at Ogilvy um, advertising agency back to the UK back and forth a little bit of America as well all working in kind of production and advertising until a, a 2009 when I got pregnant um, and it was a bit of a shock because uh, we didn't think we could get pregnant. And all of a sudden I was like, I don't want to be in advertising anymore. I don't want to have a child and work these really long days and be called in for weekends to do pitches. So I gave it all up at five months pregnant and started my own business. And in those early years, I did everything. I designed some very bad logos in PowerPoint. I'm so sorry to everybody <laughs> whose logo I designed. Built websites, did a bit of project management, but fairly quickly I saw a gap in SEO and SEO copywriting, especially as a woman in Australia, there was literally no one doing it. So I niched down into that and I make, became a relatively successful copywriter. I think I reached the kind of the limit of what I could earn as a copywriter. You know, when, when the big brands were starting to question the price of my invoices, I was like, okay, I've, I've reached the ceiling. Um, but I had such limited time because I had my son and I'm you know, quite a hands-on parent. So I, I moved into passive income and I'm doing air fingers for the podcast listeners. Um, and uh, yeah, that from there, the rest, the rest is history. All the stuff that I have now. <laughs> In this storied career, which you're being very modest about, uh, what is the biggest home run that you've hit? I think... It was, it's a silly little thing, but I put myself up to speak at an event here in Australia. It was called Pro Blogger and they had 10 minute slots for audience members to get up and speak. And I got up and spoke on stage about SEO to 600 people. And it was the first time I'd ever spoken to anybody about anything. Um, and it went okay, not great, but okay. And right off the back of that, I came back to the office and I, my little home office, and I set up a Facebook group and just said in the pro blogger community, anybody who wants to come and learn more about SEO, come and join my little group. And that was the start of really everything. That group now has 10,000 people in it. And from that wow. group, that's where I started building all the courses and resources that I now have and the podcast and everything. It came from that one little speaking opportunity that I was brave enough to do. <laughs> it was terrifying. And because you now have a following, you can launch all of your products and services into that group and, and you have instant, instant sales. Yeah. Instant audience. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is the biggest failure or mistake that you've made in your career and what'd you learn from it? I don't, there's not been actually a sort of single disaster because I'm quite iterative in how I launch things. And as I said, I have this kind of, you know, soft landing of these existing customers and followers. So there's never been like a disaster where I've lost a lot of money or anything like that. But I think the biggest failing I've had has been really obsessing about my competition and feeling inferior to them and comparing myself and having that terrible imposter syndrome. The hours I have wasted 
looking at other people's websites, other people's funnels, other people's courses. And I just now look back and think if I'd taken even half of that time and invested it in my own business, I would be even, you know, I'd be further along in the journey. So just so much self-doubt really. Um, And it's, you know, what I've learned from that is, you know, you really have to rely on your own skills and, and really that, you know, not everybody's going to like you and that's okay. Um, And that there's always going to be competition and people are always going to have a choice and you just have to focus on why they're going to choose you, not worrying about why they're choosing other people. That's right. Because we don't need everybody as our customer. We just have to find our people. We have to find our tribe, our community. Our Viking tribe. Exactly. That's right. (laughs) I love that phrase that says it so well. Okay. What is your best monetization secret or strategy? It's the same thing. Gosh, I'm a bit of a one trick pony, but I don't spend any money on paid ads. Never have. So I've never really used Facebook ads or Google ads. Everything I launch is launched via content marketing, uh, organic SEO, bringing people through. We're going to talk about this a bit later, but through to my lead magnet, into my community, then using email marketing to you know, build the relationship. So again, it's, it's, it's not spending a lot of money on ads. I, I, maybe I'm a bit tight. I don't like giving my money to Mr. Zuckerberg necessarily. So, uh, yeah, that's been my biggest, uh, kind of financial movement. My, my, my biggest financial trick, I guess, is to not spend money on ads. It saves me a lot of money. So if you don't spend money on ads, what are your most effective marketing strategies you do instead? I think it's really about that top of funnel, uh, awareness. So having the podcast, being very present on all social media, not necessarily strategic or expert, but just being present and really working on that engagement, you know, leaving no comment, no comment gets left behind. That's actually part of my company mantra. So even if it's just a quick thumbs up or an emoji, trying to engage with everybody who engage takes the time to engage with me and just building the relationship. I, I kind of say it's like, I kind of wear people down, you know, so people sometimes in my funnel for a good long time because my things are expensive and they're just, people say to me, well, it's like, I'd never heard of you. And then all of a sudden you were everywhere. And I think that's the key. And that sounds like a lot of hard work to be everywhere, but there's tactics and methods to make that easier. I love it. I love that phrase, uh, no comment left behind. That's so powerful because we're giving reciprocity back to them. We're acknowledging them um, coming from this perceived influencer. And if if we do that, we have a much greater chance that they're going to comment again in the future. Yeah. And I, I think as well, like it's always me. I don't use social media managers or VAs to write comments on my behalf. It's me. It may be full of typos and it may be brief, but you know that it's me. Yeah. Yeah. And as people learn that, that, that provides even more value. Mm. I, I think of some of the influencers that I've commented on and they've responded to me and you always wonder, is that really them or is it someone who's responding on their behalf? And I think most of the time I, I, end up believing that it's not them, but yeah, but when it is them, it's, it's kind of thrilling, you know, when somebody that you follow and and enjoy their content, I'm obsessed with a guy called Rand Fishkin who used to run Moz. Uh, It's an SEO company. Yes. And Mm -hmm. you know, when, when, when I I saw him at a conference and then, uh, you know, I commented on his stuff and it was the thrill of my life to go to the Netherlands and speak at Yoast and sit on a stool next to Rand Fishkin on a panel. Wow. That to me was the moment where I was like, this is the guy that 
that I've looked up to all this time and now we're arguing about SEO politely on a stage in <laughs> Holland. It was like, that was my moment. So I think we all want to feel seen and heard and listened to. We want to feel valued. And if you can give your customers that feeling genuinely, then I think that's a beautiful thing and, and way better than spending money on Facebook ads. <laughs> yeah. What do you feel is the the biggest tectonic shift that is transforming the business landscape today? I I think it's 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 going to be voice. I think it's all about voice, voice in search, voice in clubhouse, voice over video. I think voice we are really craving community and connection in a way that we never have. And that's par partially because what we've been through, this collective trauma that we've all been through in 2020, I think it's connection and, and just that feeling that there are, you can reach out and talk to people all over the world. I know we're going to touch on clubhouse a little bit later, but I think it's, I think that's the future. I think it's trying to make smaller communities. I think we need that right now in the world. Let's go ahead and go there right now. What, um, what has been your experience so far on Clubhouse and and what can we as entrepreneurs or marketers do to maybe achieve a little bit better ROI from our Clubhouse experience? Well, I've only been there since the beginning of January, I only really launched in Australia in January. I know it was around before that. And as you know, I put together a little guide for the first seven days on Clubhouse because I feel like you get on there and it's very easy to get lost and it's very easy to get disenchanted because there's lots of rooms full of kind of willy-waving entrepreneurs talking about how fabulous they are and how much money they make, you know? Um, so I think to make Clubhouse work for you and to get that ROI, you can't be a passenger you have to drive your journey on Clubhouse. So you can't sit in other people's room hoping that they're going to bring you on stage and you might get two seconds talking to Grant Cardone. You need to be your own Grant Cardone or whoever you, you know, whoever you are. You yes. need to set up your own rooms, uh, you know, bring across your personality, your knowledge and, and speak to your people like don't try and find lighthouses, be a lighthouse and have people come to you and be attracted to you. And then I think on Clubhouse, what I love about it is it's very hard to hide. You can't pretend to be something you're not because after an hour of talking to random people in front of an audience, being thrown all kinds of questions, it's very hard to keep up a facade. You're, the real you is going to come out. Um, and so hopefully the real you is good and people are going to really connect with that. It's a very intimate relationship. I don't know about you, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and I kind of vaguely fall in love with the hosts because they're in my ear when I'm doing all these nice things. And it's like being on a podcast, but I can actually talk back and you're going to listen to me. It's like that, that reciprocity again. So I think yeah. in terms of ROI, it's being very intentional. Why are you running a room? What's your goal? Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a call to action at the end that says, hey, I've got a personal branding workbook or whatever, bringing them into your funnel. It's another top of funnel strategy. It's like a podcast. Yes. It's like presenting. It's like Facebook lives. But you can, it's not one way. It's two way. And I think that's much more powerful. So what do you think about this trend kind of away from video? I know video is still crazy popular and a very important tectonic shift, but it feels like we're seeing accelerated growth in audio only content. It feels like podcasts have just been exploding. It feels like Clubhouse with an audio only social network has just been exploding. To what do you attribute that? 
Well, I, I don't know about you, but I have kind of image fatigue, you know, the Instagram perfection fatigue of just having to look a certain way, be a certain way, um, you know, being judged on your weight, your sex, your color, whatever. And I think Clubhouse is the great leveler. You know, I don't, I mean, yes, there's a tiny little avatar there, but I don't, I can't see you really. I have to take you not on face value, but on voice value. I have to take it on yeah. what you're saying, not how you look. And I think we're just all over this kind of pretty cute video Instagram thing. I am. And also as a content producer, I don't have the time to try and make myself look hot when I you know, when I'm trying to put a message out, you know, and also why should it matter whether I look hot or not, you know? So I think it's, it's just a more intimate relationship and it feels more honest than, than some of the other channels like YouTube and Instagram. It feels less produced, more raw and more honest. Yeah. I love that less produced. So, so by definition, something that is less produced, more honest is, is more authentic. So you're saying that by removing um, removing the visual, maybe we make it a little less pretentious and a little bit more authentic. Yeah. I mean, I've run clubhouse rooms, like while I'm washing the dishes or while I'm walking the dog, you know, I've answered questions on clubhouse while I'm in the bath. Don't tell anybody. Um, and that, that, free- <laughs> <laughs> that freedom to just be yourself and, and be involved whenever you want, rather than it having to be, I mean, I think podcasts can be quite raw and, and, you know, your podcast, it doesn't sound overly edited and massively produced. It sounds quite real, like just two people chatting. That's why I like it. And that's, you know, that, that style I think is what people are looking for right now. Just being able to turn up, talk, get out and not have to be a whole performance. Yeah, that's right. Okay. You refer to yourself as a misfit entrepreneur. Why have you given yourself that label? I think because when I look at other entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs, they're all wearing pencil skirts and sitting on desks with perfect legs and great hair. And I'm a bit scruffy. Um, If you're listening to this podcast, you can't see me now, but I'm a a little bit scruffy. I, I, you know, I, I scrub up well, but it's not my, it's not my top priority. And also The other trappings of being an entrepreneur are generally things like you must have a business plan. You must get investment. You have to hustle. You know, you need to get up at 3 a.m. and do your yoga and your mindset exercises and have a green smoothie. And, um, you know, you need to have an ad strategy and you need to. (laughs) We were joking before the pod. You kind of need to be this kind of terminator beast of productivity and efficiency and 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 that's the way to success and i just see all of that and go i don't want any of that i don't that's not that doesn't fit with my lifestyle but yeah i've managed to build a business that is seven figures that is successful and i've done it kind of in my pajamas in a hut in my back garden in a very emotional and unplanned way so the reason i you know i wrote the book and i and i kind of take that mantra is to let all the people who don't fit that mold see that you can still have a successful business without all that kind of classic entrepreneur cliche stuff. I love that. And I think that's going to resonate with, I'm sure it does resonate with an awful lot of people. So you've described well, what you're not, can you describe (laughs) what you are? What is, um, what is this new uh, persona, this new type of entrepreneur that you've created for yourself? I think it's, 
I mean, it still has some aspects of entrepreneurialism. You know, you have to be somewhat of a risk taker. You have to be creative. You have to be persistent. Uh, you have to work hard. Let's be honest. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, you have to be resilient. So I think those things are all the same. I guess the misfit element is you don't necessarily have to, you know, perform in a certain way, look a certain way. I'm back to that again. You don't have to necessarily seek outside investment and advice. You can rely on yourself and your own uh, creativity. You don't have to remove emotion from your business. I'm a highly emotional person. And I've, for years, I remember my boss saying to me, you'd do so much better if you weren't so emotional. And, and at the time, you know, obviously it's my boss, I'm going to take it on board. And now I'm like, you know what? part of my success is that I'm emotional because it makes me so empathetic yes. to my audience. Um, so I think it's, it's not necessarily the antithesis of the standard entrepreneur. It's like, there's a, there's a spine of core elements, resilience, persistence, intelligence, creativity, but then you can go this way and be kind of the sharp suited, you know, white tooth, glossy haired entrepreneur that's kind of lying on a Porsche, or you can be this one, the scruffy, slightly shambolic entrepreneur that's riding a bike. And I'm the riding a bike. When I, when I had a big success in my course, I remember it sold out in eight hours. I was like, oh, I've got all this money. What should I do? And I went out and bought a brand new bike. And I was very excited about that. And I put, I put it on my Instagram and kind of lay on it. Like, like you see the, you know, the entrepreneurs laying on their sports car just to take the, and also I think I've just realized a big part of it is having a bit of a sense of humor about this whole thing, not taking your business so seriously, yeah. you know, it, it's meant to be fun. If it's not fun, we can go back and work for the man. You know what I mean? I, I want to, I want to bounce into my office each day. I want to enjoy what I'm doing. So I think having fun with it as well. Let's go through and talk about some of the key points in this book um, that you've written. Um, maybe at the beginning, let's let's start by talking about the rocky bottom. What is the rocky <laughs> bottom? You've seen those LinkedIn posts. It's like, oh, I was living in a bin and uh, had no money. And then I discovered this amazing secret. And now I'm an eight-figure entrepreneur and you can be one too. Join my $10,000 <laughs> mastermind. It's the classic idea that, you can't really be a success until you've had abject failure. And I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I haven't really had, I didn't start from nothing. I had a corporate job and I took a leap. And yes, the first year was a real struggle, but I wasn't desperate. Do you know what I mean? And I yeah. don't think that that's, I think there's a story that we like to tell with entrepreneurs. We all have our stories, you know, there's seven stories in the world. That hero's journey yes. of rock bottom to success. It's like, if you don't have that misery, you can't have the success. And I don't think that's true. I think you can, you can start, you don't have to start at a rocky bottom. You can start somewhere at midway. You don't need to have huge leaps and failures. In fact, that's, a rubbish way to run a business if you ask me you know like I don't want to have disasters I want the roller coaster ride to be slightly less bumpy and anything I can do to improve that I'm going to do so yeah just the idea that you have to be an abject failure before you can be a success I don't believe in that okay and, <laughs> and that's very true and and uh yeah the next chapter of your book you talk about the plan and how you don't have a business plan. And you've, you've, you've talked a little bit about this on the show so far. So if you don't have a plan, what takes the place of your business plan? I think I have micro goals. You know, I'm very day by day. I'm very, I try and be in the moment to a degree. I can only control what's going to happen today. You know, if 2020 yeah. shows us anything, it's like, 
great. Have a plan, but don't be too attached to it. Have a direction, but don't work out every single step along the way. Because I think often if you're so focused on follow, following the route that you've planned, you miss out on so many exciting things. It's like, you know, when you, you put into your Google Maps, the route to such and such, it's a shame sometimes because sometimes getting lost is the best bit. You go down the wrong road and, oh, look, there's a cute little pub that we can go and have lunch in that we weren't even planning to go to that we would have missed if we just kept on the highway to success. So, you know, a lot of people talk about shiny object syndrome and not getting distracted from your path. Honestly, some of my best things have been my distractions, you know, taking that side route, having a little bit of an experiment, discovering something I never would have thought was going to work and having a play in my business. So, yeah, it's I think it's just about not focusing on the freeway, but sometimes taking the side routes. I'm big into my analogies, as you can tell. I've bought yeah, in Arnold like Schwarzenegger it. now. I've bought in <laughs> freeways. But yeah, yeah, I think it's great. Maybe. And the, the problem is, I guess the only thing I would say is that it's that meandering path maybe is a bit slower. You know, maybe I could have been where I am now three years ago if I'd followed the freeway, but I don't think it would have been half as much fun. And I think, as I said, that's really important to me. Thank you so much, Kate, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, one of the first steps we should take when starting a digital business is to build a community. Number two, once we have a following, we can launch our products and services into that instant audience, which can lead to instant sales. Number three, instead of spending money on ads, our customers likely won't even trust. We can reach them through SEO and content marketing and then engage them directly with our communities. Number four, in our businesses, we need to focus on being unique and personal. We should strive to develop our own personal brands and personality instead of trying to be like our competitors. Number five, we want to be real and authentic. When we are, our audience is much more likely to connect with us. If you want to learn more about Kate or connect with her, you can find her on LinkedIn or visit her website at katetoon.com. And there's links to both of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. Do you want to be a better digital monetizer? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, please subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine and get a free passion marketing ebook when you do at monetizationnation.com. Number two, please subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast and YouTube channel. Number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. Have you built an online community? If so, what secrets, stories, and strategies can you share about community building? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thank you for joining me on this episode. I wish you success in growing your community. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.